Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. If you just want to pray silently where you're sitting, or out loud where you're sitting, that's 100% okay. But I want to encourage you to actually, uh, if you really feel like something's on your heart, particularly in regards to this, maybe it's some of the victims or the doctors or the EMS and fire, the policemen that you feel like praying for, why don't you come on up and pray with us? Uh, because in doing that, it allows us to say amen to what you're praying for. Does that make sense? So these microphones are up here. Just come on up and, uh, and grab one. Why do we have a microphone? One, so everybody can hear and say amen. But also, I want to start recording these. So when we get a prophetic word, we can go back and listen to it and praise God when he answers what the things that we're believing for and the things that we're prophetically speaking. You know, even just that song, You Make the Darkness Tremble. Sometimes you look into a place that's dark and all you see is darkness, like you can't see through it. And that darkness can seem overwhelming. But he makes the darkness tremble. You know, one of the first things that Scripture records that God actually said was let there be light. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've had light ever since then. And when God looked out, the Bible says there was darkness everywhere. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1. And God didn't suddenly wake up and look out into the darkness and go, huh, sure is dark out there. Because whatever you speak, you create. But in looking at the darkness, but yet knowing what he wanted to bring, he said, let there be light. And as John chapter 1 tells us, the darkness could not overcome the light that pierces through the darkness. And we have light Because our Father said, let there be light. And what I want you to understand as we begin to pray is that God's words in my mouth and God's words in your mouth are just as powerful as God's words in His mouth. That we can speak the words of God into the darkness. And the light that comes from us can pierce the darkness And the darkness cannot overcome it. So when we pray tonight, I just don't want to pray well-meaning prayers. Come on, let's, let's, let's call light and speak light into dark places. Come on, let's pray. I just invite you guys, come on up and pray as you feel led. Just continue praying, you guys. Let's just take a moment here. Father, I just want to pray for law enforcement officers. Being a retired police officer and going to the scene today, and as I'm going through the parking lot, I saw another retired guy in his personal vehicle. And we just sat there just talking about what happened. And even if you're retired or if you're current police officers, we're just thankful. We're thankful for the protection that they had um, on Friday during that tragedy. 
we're just thankful for the training that they received. We're thankful that they stepped up. We're thankful that they were bold, bold enough to call other people to go with them into a place where it was unknown. And I love the song where it said, the darkness will tremble. Because you know when darkness is there and they see somebody stepping up, that it's going to tremble. As we're praying, they are, the enemy is trembling. That day, that guy trembled to realize that not just one, but four immediately were there in minutes to fight this. And as we're here tonight, as we're helping fight this in prayer, that we can also as Christians just boldly step up like they did that we could boldly continue to read our Bible to see what we can do, how we can pray better so the enemy cannot overcome. We will, we will beat the enemy with prayer, with community as we come together. So as we're just praying for law enforcement that take time off for holidays that they have to work while we're at home, uh, working the night shift, when things happen that they set up a perimeter and it's just not the guys that go in to fight, but it's the support outside. And that's what we're here tonight praying for that. So we just pray for all our law enforcement officers around this country and especially in this city. Thank you for your bravery and as Christians, we can also boldly step up and pray and say we can win this. We are winners in Jesus' name. Father God, I just want to pray over all of the fire and EMS that responded to this, God. I just... Your word says that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So I just lift up every man and woman that were on that scene, God. I just pray that you would bring comfort and peace and joy to those people, um, some of them that responded immediately and some of them that were with the bodies for an extended period of time. God, I just protect their mind. I protect their hearts, and I pray that you would just keep the lies of the enemy away from them, that they would just seek counsel when they need counsel, Holy Spirit, but I pray that you would counsel them, that you would bring complete peace to their hearts and to their minds, and I just pray that their families would just be able to support them through this rough time of what they've seen, and and they carry it, and I know that oftentimes they don't speak about it, so I just pray that their families and people would just rally against them, Lord, or rally around them, God, and that they would just pour into those people and bring love and bring all of the the fruit that you have for these people. So I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for those men and women who are bold and who responded and who did everything they could to minister to these people and and bring life back to them. So thank you, Jesus. Psalm 110 says in the Amplified Version, the Lord Father says to my Lord, the Messiah, his son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet subjugating them to complete submission. The Lord will send the scepter of your strength from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves willingly to participate in your battle in the day of your power. In the splendor of holiness from the womb of the dawn, your young men are to you as the dew. God, I thank you that we are called to this battle, that we are called to stand and fight for our city, to stand and fight for you. Jesus, you're the victor. You've already won. But, Lord, you're calling us as your people 
to bring light into dark places. So we declare the name of Jesus over the city of Virginia Beach. We declare the name of Jesus is above everything in the city of Virginia Beach. We pray over our city healing. We pray freedom. We pray, we pray against any fear the enemy would try to bring into anybody. And God, we just thank you. We thank you that you're above this. You knew. You know. You're not surprised. So God, we come and pray on, on behalf of everyone in our city. We intercede. And I, I just... I'm really wrestling with this, like how to say this, but um, we, we have to intercede. We, we need, as Christians, we have to stand up. We're not, we're not powerless. We have authority. We need to come and, t- and bring light into a dark place. I'm really sorry. I'm having a hard time with this, but God, I, I just want to encourage you guys, open your mouths and pray. Like your prayers do matter. Um, Christian prayers are stronger than the enemy. We need to declare his victory over our city. We have to open our mouths and speak his truth. I'm going to read Psalm 55, starting at verse 5. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Truly, I would flee far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find shelter for myself from the raging wind and tempest. Confuse, O Lord, confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin in its midst, oppression and fraud. Do not depart from its marketplace. It is not enemies who taunt me. I could bear that. It is not adversaries who deal insolent, insolently with me. I could hide from them. But it is you, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend, with whom I kept pleasant company. We walked in the house of God with the throng. Let death come upon them. Let them go down alive to the shoal, for evil is in their homes and in their hearts. But I call upon God. And the Lord will save me, evening and morning and at noon. I utter my complaint and moan, and he will hear my voice. He will redeem me unharmed from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God, who is enthroned from the old, will hear and will humble them, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion laid hands on a friend and violated a covenant with me, with speech smoother than butter, with a heart set on war, with words that were softer than oil, but in fact were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never, never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the lowest pit. The bloodthirsty and treacherous will not live out half their life days, but I will trust in you. Lord, we believe in you. Lord, we know that you carry our burdens. Lord, that we can turn to you when we're in a spot that we don't understand what's going on or why it happened or where it came from. Lord, we know that you are the one who fights our battles. You are the one that we can trust in. And Lord, that we can give this to you and we can rely on you. And Lord, that's the amazing thing about being a son and daughter in the kingdom is that we don't have, we can go through stuff, but we can always give it back to you and be at peace with it. Even if we don't understand it, Lord, we can rest in your peace.
Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we just pray for a softening over every heart in this city. We come in agreement with your will, with your will for your children to turn towards you, not from you. We know that you are outworking and ready to outpour a revival over this city and over this nation. And so we just agree with you, Lord, that this is part of that process, that this is part of the revival of your children's hearts turning towards you, drinking in your water, that the thirst of their hearts would be quenched by your presence, by your character, and by your truth. where the enemy would like to confuse and harden and anger and and bring that bitterness and that distaste towards you, God. Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of every heart, every um, person, open their ears to your truth, to who you really are, to your sovereignty, to your grace. And may we humble ourselves before you, Father. Would these, the family of these um, victims, would the friends of these victims, would the um, onlookers of these victims be softened and humbled before you, Father? Would they choose you? Would they open the door to your knock? Thank you, Jesus. As I was sitting in the back, um, I just had this beautiful picture of the father uh, sitting with every victim's family with them and it just crying with them. And Father, I just thank you right now that you're with, you are near them. God, they might not feel you. They might be angry. They might be bitter. But God, I just speak right now to the spirit of unforgiveness and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Yeah, any spirit of bitterness or um, of anger, resentment, any foothold that the enemy would try to have through causing this, God, I thank you right now that you're reversing it, that you're using it for good. Even if we don't see that right now, God, even if the victims' families don't see that right now, God. I also had a picture um, in the back of the father not only sitting with the victims' families, but I, I saw a picture of him with the killer. And I felt like the father said, I love him too. And he, and he challenged my heart to not only pray, and intercede for the victim family, but also for the guy who who killed all these innocent people. And so, Father, I know that you love, you love even the criminals, God, even the people that, that, that aren't doing it right, aren't doing it well. God, you're sitting with them, and you love them too. And so, God, soften our hearts, God, to not be angry, Soften our hearts, God, to not, to not even be subtly uh, questioning why 
or, or hurt of, of why, why would this happen? Why would you allow this or anything, anything like that? God, I thank you right now that you have a purpose for everything, that you're using this for good. God, I thank you that you love him too. So I pray that you comfort him as well, that you turn his heart as well, Father, that you bring salvation. I thank you that this is all for your glory, Father. It's all for your glory. And I agree with Yasmina. I thank you that, that this, this is sparking revival in this area, Father, that this is bringing the community together. We thank you for what you're doing, Father. Open our eyes to see. Lift, lift our heads, God. Lift our eyes to see what you're doing in the Spirit. Lift our eyes to see what you're doing in the heavenly atmosphere in this city, God. The enemy's upset. He's trying to tear us apart, but I thank you that you're using what he's trying to tear us apart with to bring us together. I just pray right now that, that you use this right now to bring the community closer than it has been ever. I thank you, God, that, that there is power in testimony. I thank you that there's power in, in, in history. God, I thank you that there's power in looking back and seeing what you've done. And I pray that you use this situation, you use what took place this past week, God. You use it as a, as a monument to look back and see, man, God, you are good. You're not finished yet, Father. Encourage these families, God. Show them that you're right there beside them. But let us as Christians step up to the plate. Let us step up and, and not just, um, you know, send out a nice word, but let us go. Let us go to these people. Let us bring them food. Let us, let us have conversations with them. Yeah. Let our love speak with action. Let it not just be merely words. We thank you for your love. And I pray right now that you just use your children as vessels for your glory, for your love, for every single person that was affected by this. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from the darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew, renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Father, I thank you that this is your word, even over us, even over our city. Thank you that right now you are comforting those who mourn. We just declare over our city, God, that you are um, comforting all who mourn. You're bestowing on them a crown of beauty. You're giving them the oil of joy and a garment of praise. And we just declare that the people of our city will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, 
that any ancient areas of our city that have been devastated, even for generations, God, we just ask that this would be a turning point of rebuilding. I just agree with what's already been prayed and um, add to it, God, that you would continue to um, make the people of our city people of your kingdom. God, not just citizens of Virginia Beach, but citizens of the kingdom of heaven, God, that this would be an opportunity to bring many, many hearts and lives to you, back to you, God. Um, and I thank you that Virginia Beach has been a place of healing for many people. I came here for healing. I've met so many people who've come here for healing. And I believe that you've created this to be a place where there's... Um, just like an oasis of healing for people and to have a tragedy and a trauma happen in a place for healing means that there's resources and anointing and um, people here for those who are mourning, for those who are traumatized, God. So I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're weaving things together uh, in a beautiful way. The word I just keep getting is that you're weaving things together. You're working things together for good. We just bless the families who are mourning right now, God. We bless them with your comfort. We bless them with your joy. We bless them to find everything that they need to walk this situation out together. And I ask, God, that you would cause this to drive an even deeper well of healing in this city, God. Not just physical healing, but mental healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, healing in every way. God, I ask that we would be a city that would be known um, not for the, the hard or tragic things that have happened, God, but for the dramatic healing that happens in the people that come here. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Um, I just second, second, yes and amen, everything Emily just said. And something that was just, I was reminded of when I was sitting there was that Cape Henry in 1607 was where the first settlers came. Um, and um, they dedicated from the shores of, of Cape Henry and Virginia Beach, they dedicated this land for the glory of Jesus Christ, promising the gospel of God's kingdom would go forth to the nations. And so I just felt like when I was sitting there that we need to claim that this is our land. We need to remind the enemy this is not his land. This is not his property. This is not his domain. This has been a land that has been dedicated for the Lord, for um revival for the kingdom of God. And so um, as you're thinking on um, this situation in the days to come, just like declare this is our land. This is our land. This is the land of God. This is for the glory of God. This is for the kingdom of God. And he cannot have it. He will not have it. It is not his. And so, um, yeah, thank you, Jesus.
Beautiful. <laughs> you guys can be seated. That was the communion song I grew up with in my Presbyterian church. That's been an oldie but a goodie. I can taste the communion as we're singing that song. Anybody ever grow up in a church where they sang the same song in communion all the time? That was funny. And uh, Jesus, name above all names. That was the other communion song we'd sing all the time. So um, kids, you guys can head on out if you haven't already to our Kingdom Kids program. I love it because our kids are doing some prophetic activation tonight, I hear. It's going to be awesome. Our kids are learning to hear from God for themselves and learning how to declare His goodness to their peers, which is pretty cool. So um, I, think, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we're good. So is that echoey? Am I getting echoey? You guys doing okay? You can smile now. It's not going to be like a fully, it's not a funeral service today, okay? And uh, I just wanted to share some thoughts with you guys, and I think Romy may give me a hand here for a little bit, just kind of gaining some perspective on this week and kind of what's been happening. Um, and then we got some good news at the end, and I got some good news that I didn't want to wait any longer. You guys probably already know this already, but congratulations to Stuart and Kelsey, who got engaged last week. We're excited for you guys. Yay. Dating is good, but marriage is better. Can I get an amen? There we go. I just wanted to, to point that out there. Um, but uh, we're excited for you guys. We really are. And uh, just a power couple coming together. And we're excited to see what God... Uh, we're already excited to see what God's done in you and through you. But man, where one will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. And the multiplied influence that you're going to have together is going to blow your mind. And so we're pretty excited to see what's going to happen. Yay. Um, you know, I, uh, I'll probably save that for the end, but um, yeah, I never know what's going on. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants here. So, you know, on, on Friday afternoon, that was a, uh, actually, can we put the, the picture back up, guys? The... Uh, of those who, who lost their lives um, in this horrible tragedy. Uh, you know, it's, it's moments like these, you kind of read about stuff on the news, but you never expect it to happen at home. But yet this community, although our city is about 500,000 people, is still a small town. And you'd be hard pressed to find uh, really anybody in this city that wasn't affected somehow by what happened. Um, either connected to one of the victims or connected to a family of one of the victims. That guy, Bert Snelling, with the sunglasses I've known for 20 years, who just happened to show up to try to get a permit uh, for his job, and he, he loses his life and leaves behind a family and, um, and loved ones as well. And I just know this has affected so many in our community. And even if you weren't personally connected with anybody who was there, Sometimes there's something that just happens in the collective psyche of a small community when something like this happens. And you can find yourself experiencing some symptoms of grief and potentially even PTSD as a result of what happened, even if you were nowhere near the scene. And I just want to encourage you that those feelings of sometimes fear and hopelessness um, and helplessness are not necessarily bad things because what they reveal 
is that this community is close and it's strong. And the Bible says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? And when we love our neighbors as ourselves, these are our neighbors. And so when this happens to people that maybe you've never even met, it happens to us. This is our community. This is our city. And these are our neighbors. And I'm glad, Stuart, you prayed what you did. I didn't include the, the photo of the perpetrator of all of these things, but in many ways, he's as much a victim as these people are as well, too. And I want to explain and probably give some, some God perspective on uh, maybe what, what's happening here, if, if that helps. And so the first question I kind of wrote just here was, man, what's going on? You ever have those thoughts when you see something as atrocious as this? You just go, what, what's happening? This is Virginia Beach. I've been in that building lots. What is going on? And often in the short term and in the narrow perspective of what, what went wrong with this guy, I don't have answers for you. And I don't know that we'll ever have that answer. But when we look at this and from the perspective of what's going on in our world and in our city, Jesus revealed this to us in John chapter 10, verse 10. And he spoke of our enemy, the devil. And he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, when you see a tragedy like this, it's impossible to explain the whys. I could never stand up here and tell you why this happened. But I can tell you who's behind it. Because when you look at the fingerprints of the crime scene here, it's stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what's happened. And those are the fingerprints, not of the perpetrator of this, those are the fingerprints of the devil that Jesus spoke about. And these tragedies and the horrible events happen because we have an enemy. And we have an enemy who wants to steal, who wants to kill, and who wants to destroy. And as unfortunate as these incidences are, that's the world that we live in today. But Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. We're not just here as subjects of the enemy and we're not victims, but we do have an enemy. And so I thought about, well, in light of that, how do we respond to this? And often when you see tragic circumstances, whether it's happened to you personally or a mass killing like we've just seen on Friday, the typical thing that would happen in most people like us is fear and paralysis. Meaning, I just kind of, I can't explain it, but I'm not the same. I can't drive past the courthouse now without thinking about that. I can't go into the supermarket now without thinking, is that going to be the next perpetrator of this event? And suddenly everybody's out trying to get a concealed weapons permit, trying to find out how do I secure my home and, and how do I make sure that my environment, this could never happen to me. And I talked to somebody, actually Dave was telling me, he texted me this morning, I think, he goes, it's weird, nobody's on the streets down here. It's normally packed down this end of town and just nobody's out. Because often what happens is we find fear creeps in. And then on the back of that, fear brings paralysis. In other words, I don't know what to do, so I'll just do nothing. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. 
You ever notice at funerals sometimes there's always, uh, you felt this and you, you, you run into somebody that's lost a loved one and you're just like, I don't know what to say so I don't say anything. Those are fingerprints of the one who steals and kills and destroys. Fear and paralysis are fingerprints of the enemy. And they are not kingdom values and they're not principles of the one who gives life and gives life to the full. And I think that though we can't bring these people back, we're still left with, well, how do we respond? What do we do now? And it can be a very frustrating thing when you find that maybe you feel a little bit helpless. I don't know any of them. I can't bring them a meal. I can't send flowers. I can't bring their loved one back. But that doesn't mean that we're left helpless. Because when you understand that fear and paralysis are often the result of such a tragedy of this and affects people that maybe were never even directly connected with what happens, then you can realize that we have a response to both of those things. You know, I remember hearing from, from Dave and others, you know, that during the Afghanistan, the Iraqi war, these IEDs were one of the, the major problems that they were experiencing, the, the roadside bombs that would happen. And what would often happen is these terrorists were getting a lot uh, trickier at what they were doing, where they would have an IED that would explode. And they know that the ones that respond to these IEDs are the EOD techs like Dave and his men. And so they would have a, a first explosion and it would wound or kill a few people. But then they would wait for the EOD techs to show up on site, and then there would be the massive secondary explosion. So the purpose of the first explosion was to draw more people so that they could have a larger explosion and kill more. Hopefully I'm not getting that wrong. Is that fairly accurate? Fear and paralysis and isolation are the secondary explosions of the enemy when we deal with these kinds of tragedies. It's when you take a law enforcement officer, Brent's a retired police officer, who had to respond to that incident. But everybody's response right now is to the victims of who were shot. But there were four police officers that had to kill a man and are left with cleaning up that scene. But because all the emphasis is on the victims, they feel like they can never really come with their stuff. And so the fear and the isolation, the paralysis for them becomes very real. Those are fingerprints of the enemy. The doctors that stayed up all night long performing surgeries on the other five, I believe it is, that were in the hospital. But yet somehow they get lost in the shuffle of all of this. Because they feel like for me to raise my hand would be comparing grief, and you can't compare grief. Everybody's grief is very unique to them, to themselves, to their, to, to their own circumstance. But the fear and the paralysis become that secondary explosion that is much worse than even the first. As much as this tragedy is horrible, what the enemy wants to bring to the rest of the city is fear. And fear is from the liar, from the thief, and from the destroyer. And I want to encourage us 
to not fall victim to the fear that can creep in. Not fall victim to the paralysis of, well, what good are my, will my prayers do? And of course, social media is full of all kinds of stuff, but you know, every time there's an issue of gun violence, I'm starting to hear and see a very similar trend happening. I don't want your prayers. I just want to do something. <laughs> can I tell you that when you pray, you are doing something? Because what's happening here is not an issue of gun rights, of freedom. It's a spiritual issue that's happening in our city, that's happening in our nation as well. And the Bible says our weapons are not, our, our fight is not, a, we, do, <laughs> we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the rulers of this dark world. That our weapons are spiritual weapons, not physical weapons. Now, I understand there's a need for security. I understand. I'm not saying that we're, not, we're dumb about how we do things or unsafe. But I want you to understand this battle is spiritual. And you don't fight a spiritual battle with natural means. Prayer changes things. It changes the atmosphere of the room. In Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, we can turn to Luke chapter 12, guys, on the screens. Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. What is our response to this? Jesus tells us, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. Why? Because we're more than just body. There's no reason to fear. He goes on to say, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid, because you are worth more than many sparrows. He's saying, Don't be afraid of those who seek to harm you physically, because if I have your heart... You understand that I love you. And the worst anybody can do is kill you. That's pretty bad. But if you've given me your heart, no one can ever take you out of my hand. They may hurt your flesh, but they can't take your spirit. They can't take your soul. And we are not flesh-led creatures. As disciples of the living God, we are spirit Led, We are born again of our spirit. And because of that, we are now led by our spirit. And nothing the enemy can do can ever steal us away from God's hand. So our response to these crises is not courage, it's love. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And when you find the fear that's creeping in, it's not time to suck it up, buck up little camper, stop being scared. It's not time to just go do the thing that you're afraid of. It's time to experience the love of the Father. And I know this might sound a little bit backwards. Because you think, if I find fear creeping in, I need to just ignore that and just pray for the others and help them. But I'm telling you, you can never feed somebody from an empty bowl. 
And if you haven't experienced the love of the Father for yourself, it's going to be very difficult for you to love someone else with the love that He's shown you. And I know this sounds backwards, but if we want to help those who have been affected by this tragedy, sometimes the first thing we can do is to get into the presence and experience again the love of the Father for us. Because it's that perfect love that drives out all fear. And I don't want to walk down the street and look at my neighbor differently than I did yesterday because of a tragedy that happened down at the municipal center. I don't want to walk into a mall and see everybody as a potential threat and start doing threat analysis of everybody that I see. I need to experience the love of the Father. I don't want to see people who walk in the door of Seashore Church that look a little bit off and all of a sudden be looking at them and going, I want to make sure that guy's not packing. I want to make sure he... I want to walk in. I want them to walk in and to experience the love of the Father that I've experienced. Because that ultimately is what's going to make the difference in this world. And I think one of the worst secondary explosions that happened is when we begin to look at people as a threat instead of looking at people as lost sons and daughters of God who he is longing to call home. Am I making any sense? Let's not let fear creep in. But we respond to fear with love. Stay in the presence to experience his love. And then we share that love with others. Amen? Did you have anything you want to share or do you want me to keep going? Just about kind of the why and what's going on here. Um, yeah, yeah, turn on. Just about the, the kind of... Because obviously you're dealing with somebody that is not quite right that would have committed these atrocities, but it's not just a liar who steals, kills, and destroys, but honey, why don't you share with us just what's ever on your heart about kind of what's going on? Um, it's obvious. I think it'd be obvious if you spend even five minutes watching the television or five minutes um, scrolling through um, Twitter or Facebook or other social media. I think it's pretty obvious that through culture um, there is divisiveness that's being pushed. I need my glasses. Sorry. <laughs> I can see people, but yeah. Um, no. I, th I think it's pretty obvious. Um, um, I hope that we can be people who recognize that the enemy is in these details and that when we are listening to whatever news you love to listen to, that a lot of the time it's not even truth that's coming through your TV. It's just fear tactics. And the enemy is the one, the scripture he was using is six, uh, Ephesians 6, 12. Is, uh, we don't wrestle with against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the principalities and the powers of this dark age. It is the enemy himself who is the ruler of the airwaves. And so when we are... The news on Friday night broke, and uh, I was getting texts. People were texting me, and as we should, because you know what? We're the people who pray, right? So do that. Um, but as, as the evening was going on, um, different texts were coming in, and then I started seeing different people putting different things on social media. And the somber mood that's, that, that's, that can come into your own home or come over the city, because now instead of turning to praise and worship or starting to pray, we're just glued and fixed on the uh, issue. And it's just report after report. We're waiting for the next piece of breaking information. 
We're waiting for the next person to give us the peace. Who's, who's is there someone dead in hospital now? Like, you understand what I'm saying? Is this glued? He's talking about um, shock, actually. It's shock. So it can shake you into doing nothing. And that's the tactic of the enemy. Shock you into doing nothing so that you don't pray, that you stay complacent and you stay apathetic. And so if we are people who give into that dumbfoundedness that now I'm glued to my TV to see the worst possible scenario, I'm now not praying. I'm now not standing in my identity as a son or a daughter of the King of Heaven who's been put here for such a time as this to raise up a standard for the Lord and to start praying and start declaring that God is good and praying that heaven would come down because that's why we're here. Adam was told in Genesis 1, 26, uh, I've given you everything, now go rule, take dominion. Jesus gave it right back to us in Matthew 28. Uh, verse 18 and 19. Now go, for, go forth, make disciples of every nation. To make disciples of every nation, we've got to be the kind of people that have our two feet firmly planted on the ground and not listen to the enemy lies, not listen to the propaganda, not listen and believe what is coming in through your, your favorite TV shows or TV. Every one of them is biased, right? The news. Smith, Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth, 100 years ago, said this to a very young um, Lester Sumrall. If you've ever heard of Lester Sumrall, he was going along to pray at his house. Smith Wigglesworth, Lester Smith is banging at the door and Smith Wigglesworth wouldn't open the door and Lester's like trying to peer through a window. There's a man he can see on the other side of the door and muffled going, we're not coming in. Lester on the other side of the door still banging going, I, what? I'm just, I'm, I'm, is this Smith Wigglesworth's house? I've come to... Uh, Meet him and, and have lunch. We're having lunch. We're going to pray. Finally, Smith like cuts the door open like this, just foot in the door, um, wedging it open enough to be heard. He said, you're not coming in here with the paper, the newspaper under your arm because it's full of lies, it's full of lies, it's full of lies and I won't allow the lies in my house. Like Smith Wigglesworth, a very old man speaking to a very young, yet Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall was a great revivalist. We obviously know Smith was, but Lester's lesser known. But the point that Lester was talking about that is that he understood, this is, 19, early, this is 1918, 1919. He understood that bringing that newspaper into his house, it was full of what the enemy wants to get into our heart and our thinking and our attention. It's not a bad thing to know what is going on in the world. We should. We should know what's going on in our own city, in our own homes, in our schools, in, our, in the nations. We should want to take an interest in that, right? But not to the extent that we start believing the lies and start giving ourselves and our attention to the lies and allowing ourselves to become complacent and apathetic and much worse than those, that stops prayer, much worse fear because now he's talking about the second explosion, the fear that just can set in in, in people's minds and hearts. That is what the enemy wants. He wants us fearful. He wants us to sit down and do nothing. He wants us complacent. He wants us apathetic. If the church is this way, then the church is not doing what God has asked her to do on the earth. And the church is supposed to be a light to the nations, the hope of the world. We are the instrument. You and I are the church. It's not a building. It's not a denomination name. It's not even seashore church name. The church, the people, one, two or three gathered in my name, there am I, is the church. We are supposed to be incredibly powerful on the earth, unstoppable. You get down, you get back up. We're just not um, 
not going to play the enemy games. Because the enemy works through lies and deceit and the drama and the crisis and the games, right? If we just decide to be people who, oh no, I am, I'm not going to be someone that the enemy can mess with, then we become something that he really flees from. See, the Bible says that resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The only way we resist is we hear Friday night news and then we start putting on our worship and start praising God's name and declaring his name great over the city because the enemy would want a big dark cloud to come and settle over the city. But when we lift the standard of the Lord through worship, through praise, through prayer, um, I got on the text feed, we have a prayer team, I just got on the text feed and I said, look, I've got my guitar out here at home, I'm just starting to worship and praise. You do the same to pray and I several scriptures and then there's a morning prayer meeting and then an afternoon prayer meeting because this is our these are our weapons and they're like nuclear weapons in the spirit realm the enemy runs in a thousand different directions when we lift our voice in honor of the lord and lifting up his standard he runs in a thousand different directions and by the way confused and scattered because he can't understand why people would not fear and so we we make that choice to just go i'm not going to fear i know someone who's lost her husband I will mourn with her and I will grieve with her. I will cry with her if I see her. It's, it's not, I just don't need to do that for days and days and days on end and allow the mourning and grief to sit on me and push me down. In fact, depression pressed down. Fear, it presses you down, right? These things, the enemy is, has been doing this for thousands of years. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. But you know what? Jesus is smarter and he's on the inside of you and me right? So with our two feet on the ground planted firmly, we decide, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to let my flesh tell me, sit down and watch more news. I am instead going to get up. I went downstairs and I just got my guitar out. I was tired on Friday night. I had a big week, but I was like, no, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to worship anyway on my own. <laughs> doesn't matter. And I'll make a lot of loud noise, <laughs> but it's worship noise. And so that's, that's what breaks through and pierces the darkness over the city. And that's what we're supposed to do. Um, I was just thinking on that. That was actually one of the points I was going to talk about, so I'm glad you did. You know, we had a, a missionary couple that, uh, a couple of, you don't have to go away. I'm getting a drink. That a couple of us were, uh, had a chance to hear. They, they've got a ministry in the Middle East. Young couple, got, um, I can't remember their names. Lucas and Rachel, that's what it is. And young family, they've been over there for six years. And they are ministering in, in Muslim countries, Muslim governments. It's illegal to proselytize. It's illegal to share the gospel. So I was like, man, what does ministry look like for you? Like, you've been there six years. Like, in the country that he's in, there's 11 professed Christians in the whole nation. That's five. Sorry, I couldn't make 11. There's 11 professed Christians in the whole nation, and they've been ministering for six years. I said, what does ministry look like for you? And he said, it is prayer, and it is worship. They just go into these cities and they worship a lot. Their goal is to have 24-7 worship happening. And it's changing the atmosphere and the environment of that country. And I thought, that's beautiful. I love that. It really flowed with what we're doing as a church as well, too. Kind of been our pillars of worship and prayer. But it just goes to show that you can suddenly feel like in an environment, I, I can't do anything. But yet that worship changes things. So when you find fear or paralysis creeping into your own heart, or even complacency, which Romy said. In other words, there's nothing I can do. I, you feel helpless. When you just worship, 
It's not just about getting in his presence to experience his love for you, but it actually projects. Your worship projects out into your home. It projects over your kids, and it projects out into our city. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? It does. does. Um, So the other thing with this is um, there's a cumulative effect um, around our nation. There's been a lot of shootings in the nation. Um, But um, now, not just the shootings, the political mess, as mess, as mess, there's all kinds of divisiveness going on mm. in politics right now. Um, and it, Christians are even fighting with Christians over this and, and, and resenting and allowing in their heart for hate to get deep and rooted in their heart. And the minute we do that, we are allowing the poison of the enemy deep into us. And with resentment or hatred comes that poison. Jesus said that um, um, murder, uh, said that like an, mur- tried to say it like an American. Murder. 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 <laughs> Ah, uh, what do you say? Oh, he goes, Jesus said that um, a murder begins in the heart of a person yeah. because they've allowed themselves to hate. Hmm. Hatred. So the hatred, when I just allow in my heart hatred to dwell and sit in that place, Jesus said that's where, that's where murder begins. And it's the same. It's the, it, like it's sinful. It is the same. And so the devil's devices through, through culture is get in, divide, cause division, cause hatred, cause Good. resentment, cause um, people to be disagreeing over who to vote for, people to be disagreeing mm. over the most ridiculous things right now, constant lies through media. Now, so we're also, because we're pr- we've been praying for um, the, our, our city, but we're also going to pray tonight for our uh, nation's leaders, both sides of the aisle. We're not picking sides here. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I am a Christian. I'm a citizen of heaven. First and foremost. So I'm going to give you this scripture. So um, which one? Oh, this one first actually. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. Um, Turn that off. Can Can you move that? It's shining through. Um, Ezekiel 22 verse 30 I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it but I found no one you and I are the people that Jesus has been looking for to stand in the gap and pray for our land and pray for our nation, not just our nation, not just our city, but the nations. We have been called to be people who pray, who will seek his face and seek what he wants to do in the nations. And we talk about revival a lot, but revival also has a large part of reformation has got to come on the back of that. Jesus has called us to disciple nations. Like you and me, little old us. He's called us to disciple nations, but it really begins with our heart that's just going to stand and pray and seek his face and seek, what, okay, what is it you want me to be praying for this nation? What is it you want me to be praying for that nation? What is it you want me to pray over my, over my city? What is it you want to tell me about my city that I should be praying for to take down the principalities that are really ruining people's lives in this city? He will give you all that information, but you've just got to give yourself again and again to it so you can hear his voice and pray the prayers he wants prayed. Right? So that's the Ezekiel verse. Um, Jeremiah 29 verse 7. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Now, we're not in exile in that sense, right? But it's still, still. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city 
to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, if it, the city, prospers, you'll prosper too. One Timothy two one to two says, "I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all of the people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in the godliness, in godliness and holiness." See, here's the thing: is when peace, when peace is ruling over a nation, the gospel, because he's the king of peace. Jesus is the gospel, freely moves into people's hearts differently to when a nation is at war with itself. This nation right now, we could say, is at war. One side of the aisle, the other side of the aisle. We could say there's, there's a war going on for the hearts and the minds of the people in this nation. It's not even about the political battle in the end. It's the hearts and minds of this nation. If the enemy can get in and sow seeds of hatred and bitterness and discord and um, um, division, he's won. And not because he has power, because Jesus has all the power. The only power the enemy has is when we believe his lies and we go along with his deceitful ways of doing and being, right? He's powerless. Jesus is the one with all the power. Again, so it's when we recognize, we plant our two feet and go look him in the eye and say, no, I resist you. And he's the one who runs and scatters. We, res- we take down all agreement that we've made with any lie that we've believed and he runs and scatters. So we're going to pray. Oh, should we finish or? Oh, you do that. We'll pray. We'll pray at the end. Well, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> okay, so we, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for um, Donald Trump, his family. We're going to pray for all of uh, that side of the aisle and all of the other side of the aisle for all of them. Because if God could get all of their hearts, can you imagine? Can you imagine how great? Right, Jesus. Thank you that you are the king. You are the king in heaven. You are the king. And we declare you as king over this nation. You are the prince of peace. You are the king over everything. Sovereign Lord, ruler. All honor belongs to you. All glory belongs to you. You have all the power. And so, Jesus, we lift up this nation to you. And I I pray for every single leader, from Donald Trump to all of his, all of the cabinet that he has, to the um, uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and all of her side. I pray for all of the governors in every state. We pray for the mayors in every city. We pray for the leadership of this nation. Wherever leaders exist in, a, in that sense where they're governing over um, with government, Jesus, we lift them up to you. And I pray, God, that every single one of them would bow their knees to you, Jesus, that they would make you Lord of their life, that they would give their heart to you, Father, that they would want to have your will and your way done through their life, that in the integrity in their heart, that they'd start seeking you and seeking what you want for this nation. We pray, Father, for incredible unity to come come back. We pray, God, for incredible love for this nation, Um, not above love for you, but love for this nation, because the freedom of this nation means freedom for many other nations. And so, God, we lift up this standard and ask, Father, that you, from Donald Trump down to every mayor of every city, everywhere leadership exists in government, that you'd be bringing those people's hearts to you, Jesus, that you'd be reaching their hearts, that they would be uh, uh, bowing their heart before you, giving their life to you if they haven't yet. And God, the ones that won't, God, we're asking, remove them and put Christians in that place. God, thank you because in this nation when they said separation of church and state, the devil did not get out of the state. So Father, I pray, let Christians raise their voice and fill that gap once again. In Jesus' name, Father, cause people who love you in those places to now speak boldly about their faith. It's not that we want to 
make the nation obey the law of God. We want freedom to choose in this nation. God, you are free and you've given us the freedom to choose. And I pray, God, that the freedom would reign and rule over this nation, God. I thank you because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the freedom, God. And I thank you over this whole nation, over this whole nation. It's a, it's, it would began with the desire and the longing for freedom. It began wanting to escape the tyranny of political rule and religious rule. And so God, I pray that people would remember that and not allow it back into this nation, that the political spirit and the religious spirit would be put down in this city, in this nation. In Jesus' name, we lift up to you, Donald Trump. Your word says, pray for your leaders. We pray for him. We pray that he would bow his heart before you, Lord Jesus. We pray that he would want to institute everything you want, that he would seek you, that he would seek your heart for this nation and policies that he makes, budgets that he's sets would be in line with what you want, God. Give him an ear to hear and a heart to obey you, Lord Jesus. We ask you for salvation for him, salvation for his family, and protection for them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praying for your leaders is not a political decision. (laughs) It is a spiritual decision. And uh, I remember the Lord told me a while ago, why don't you stop praying, trying to pray people out of office and start praying for those who are in office? And I was like, oh, okay, sorry, God. And uh, there's a lot that can happen. And so when we actually start praying for people, and Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. So if you don't like somebody's political persuasions and don't want to pray for them, how are you going to pray for your enemies? And they're not even your enemies. So we're going to pray for them. So just as we wrap up here tonight, so that's our response. Our response to the fear, the paralysis, the isolation is love. When you get in the presence of God, and you can do that through worship, that's an easy, quick way to do it, you experience the love of the Father for you. It's very important that you open yourself up through repentance, through confession, get rid of all the junk that would try to block our receiving from Him, and receive the love of the Father. He wants to pour it out on you, and then you can give what you've got. The Bible says, freely you have received, now freely give. So the first step is receive freely. You got that? Experience His love, and then love others with that same love. Don't let fear isolate you. But how does God respond in these situations? We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 61 again, verse 3 to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. That's God's promise. We can't give beauty for ashes. My words aren't that good, right? I can't give joy for mourning, but He can. So when we connect people to God, He gives them what we lack. So pressure off of us to have answers for people. And it says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Somebody prayed that tonight. That was great. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. Here's what I want you to see. Isaiah is prophesying that God gives us a garment of praise. Do you see that? God gives you a garment of praise. We're not putting the garment on him. It's not us praising God. It's God praising you. Can you see this? He gives you a garment of praise. Don't get self-conscious. Whoa, wait a minute. The praise is for God. No. He puts his praise on you. The garment is for you. That's what he wants for you. 
The Bible says, seek the praises that come only from God, not the approval of man. He wants to put a garment of praise on you. Isaiah is speaking to people in exile who thought that God had left them, who thought that I had blown it. I turned away and worship idols. This is the result of my sin. I'm done forever. And somebody somewhere will say, what happened in the courthouse is the judgment of God, and it's wrong. It is not. It is the liar, the thief, the killer, the destroyer. But in that, God wants to give you beauty for ashes. What happened is not a good thing. But God makes good from all things for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And I'm looking at a room of people who love God and are called according to His purpose. So good will come from this, although what happened is horrible. And part of the good that's going to come from this is you and all of the families of those loved ones will receive a garment of praise. God will put His praise on you. I've got three kids, 16, 14, and 11, and I promise you there is nothing like my praise for them in their own heart. When I tell them they've done something well, it has more power than anybody else on this planet except for her and God himself. It means something. It does something. As a father, I can put a garment of praise on my kids. I can put a garment of praise on my wife. And it makes a difference. God wants to do that for you. If you'll let him. He puts it on us. He covers us with his praise. In the book of Genesis, we see this guy Joseph. And he's got a father named Jacob. Joseph was the youngest of all of them. And it says that uh, Jacob, who becomes Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he'd been born to him as an old, in his old age, and he put an ornate robe on him. Many of you have heard this story. He makes this robe. He makes a garment. And he takes this boy born in his old age and puts this garment on him as a way of saying, I am covering you with my praise. Joseph, I love you. Now, the interesting thing about Joseph is before that moment, Joseph was just a spoiled Little, I'm a youngest kid. Any youngest kids here? I got away with so much more than my brother and sister ever did. The youngest kid gets away with everything. Just learn to live with it. I'm sorry if you're an older sibling. We just do. He was a snotty little boy, and all he would do was run around and tell on his brothers. Daddy, look what they did. Look what they did. That's what he was. But when his father put this garment on him, Joseph gets a dream. He gets a dream of his future, of actually saving his dad and his brothers long down the road. Before that, he's just a little kid trying to tell on his older brothers. But when he receives the garment of praise from his father, it changes him. And he sees that my life can be so much more than these petty little things. Because he also lacked a little bit of wisdom because he was young. That garment was ripped off of him, and he was left for dead by his older brothers. And that's exactly what the enemy will do. As soon as God puts that garment of praise on you, he wants to rip it off and convince you you're a slave, you're not a son, and they sell you off to slavery. But Joseph knew, though I may not be wearing what my father gave me right now, what others have done to me does not affect the love I know the Father has for me.
And even though I'm not feeling loved by others right now, and I promise you, those who have lost loved ones, that doesn't feel like love when your father, your brother, your mother isn't coming home. It feels like the praise has been ripped right off of you. But what has happened to you does not change how the Father feels about you. We see another robe in the New Testament. And it's a story Jesus tells about the prodigal son. And this prodigal son decided he wanted to live it up. Leaves his father's house, asks for his inheritance, and away says, Dad, you're dead to me, so can I have my money? And goes and burns it all, just completely blows it all. And then comes to the end of himself. And he remembers, I have a father who loves me. And he walks back thinking if I can just be a servant in my father's house, even a slave, at least I'll have something to eat. But the father sees this son coming down the road from afar off. And the Bible says he quickly runs to him and he puts on him an ornate robe. The father is saying, son, you've screwed up but I still have a garment of praise that I'm going to put on you. And he knew that he had to do it quickly because two things were going to happen if he didn't. Either the son was going to convince himself, I've done the wrong thing. And when he sees the father, shame enters his heart and he walks away right back to where he was. Or the others would have seen him coming, knowing that he's coming back into his father's house after what he's done the others are going to kill him because that's what would happen. If you took your inheritance and then came back for more, that's a death sentence. So this father, knowing this is the most vulnerable moment for his son, he's either going to convince himself because of the shame that will come on him from the thief or the others will try to take his life because they mistake my heart for my son because they see me as a vengeful father, but they don't know me. I'm going to run to him. I'm going to proactively take that step, meet him where he is, and I'm going to put a garment of praise around my son and welcome him into my home. He needs to change the way he sees himself and he needs to change the way others see him. But the father takes the first step. Can I encourage you tonight? Let God put his garment of praise on you. This sounds crazy. It's about remembering them. It's not about us. But if you understand that the blessing of Abraham flows through us, if you understand that the kingdom advances, when you take what God's put in you to a lost and a dying world, that God chooses to extend his kingdom through the hearts of his willing sons and daughters. When he realized the vehicle for the salvation of this city is me, When I step forward into dark places, they're not dark anymore. When I speak the light that is in me into those dark places, the darkness cannot overcome it. When we put the garment of praise on us, and we know that Daddy loves us, then we love others not on our own insufficiency. Because my love runs short sometimes. We love Him with the agape love of the Father that knows no bounds. It knows no end. And that's all I wanted to encourage you with tonight. Our response to this is to let God cover us with his praise, but not just stay there. 
We let God's love cover our kids with praise, our households with praise, our church with praise, our car with praise. And then we take the love that he has for us to those who are hurting. When I pray, it is taking the love that I've experienced and projecting it forward into those homes of those people that have lost loved ones. Don't hide. Don't fear. Share that love with each other. And let's share that love with our city. And it will change. The answer for us is to love and to be loved. Would you pray with me tonight? Jesus, we thank you so much that you have loved loved us with an everlasting love. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a garment of praise. That you want to put your praise on us. That we can actually pray, God, would you praise me? That's not a selfish prayer. It's connecting with your heart. that wants us to get our identity, our fulfillment, and our love from you and you alone. And I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us, when we place our hands on those who are sick and hurting and wounded, they're getting a touch of heaven, and they can experience your love in a way that surpasses all understanding, with a love that knows no bounds, that knows no end. And we pray for every single one of those who have lost loved ones, for all of the doctors that are involved in in helping the injured, for those that are involved in the crime scene, our law enforcement officers, our fire, our EMS, the counselors who are working with people right now, the co-workers who are not sure what's going to happen next. There is uncertainty in this city. But we are certain that you are the answer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, there's one more thing that we wanted to do too before we closed. And uh, come on up, honey. So I told you we'd end with some good news. Well, that was good news, too. God wants to give you a garment of praise. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Is, uh, last week, I told you we took up our first offering, and it was to help a single mom in need and uh, who recently had a car accident and had lost her car, and it's actually Desiree who's here tonight, and you can sit down. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to get up at all. So um, she had a, a car accident a couple of weeks ago, and luckily, the kids and her, I think, are physically okay. Actually, the kids are off in, in kitty land right now, having a good time. And uh, honey, why don't you just talk a little bit? Uh, well, we had heard um, that you had been in a car accident the Friday yeah. morning that had happened on your way, I think, to work. But immediately, the Holy Spirit had just said, look, you, you've just got to do something, get the church to do something to help you. And this is a gift to you. No strings attached from us. Seriously. This is just a gift out of the heart of the Father yeah. um, because he loves you. And so yeah. we just want to say as a people here, um, we just took up an offering. It's not even a massively huge offering, but it's going to cover, it's gonna cover um, the need that you have for the car. We understand there's other details with the, your friend Tyler who helped yeah. you. Yeah. And um, here's the thing is 
Um, we always just want to respond to God obediently every single day, right? But for this specific thing, he's already mentioned, God has said to us as a church, we, we don't need to be yet talking about even tithing. We've not even taught on giving or money yeah. or anything. And the Holy Spirit has been the one that just said, you just don't need to do that. Let me show you what I'm going to do regardless. And so we've obeyed that. But it was this car accident that we heard for the first time, just take up an offering for this girl and just give it to her with no strings attached because the Father loves you. He loves you so much. And, yeah. um, and so your kids are gorgeous. We see your kids here because I know um, Grandpa, Grandpa look after them a lot. And so we love on your kids and we love that they always hug me so they make me feel really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, they do. They're gorgeous kids. But um, you, can can share, you can tell I, the yeah. details. So you, you actually were able to find a vehicle and uh, our church did take up that offering. We were able to purchase that vehicle for you. And uh, I don't know if it's here tonight. If it, uh, did you drive it? Oh, cool. So we're able to pay for that vehicle for you. That's good news. We're able to get the vehicle. Thank you for what you've done. And uh, honestly, church, you just, you didn't surprise me, but you, you just kind of blew me away uh, as well. But also when you get into a car wreck, you know, you ever been in a car wreck and it's like all these things you all of a sudden have to do that you never planned for before? Well, part of that is you get the police tow it, and then it ends up in a storage unit, and before you know it, you get racked up with storage fees and the cost of the tow, which I think were over $500, and uh, uh, because of your offering, we're actually able to cover that as well, and so that's paid for already. We actually negotiated it down, because I think they tried to get over on you a little bit, so we got it down, and um, not only that, but we're able to uh, give you $200 worth of gift cards for fuel uh, to fuel that, which hopefully will get you by for a little bit. And we have a bit left over that we can actually help with your car insurance as well, too. And so all of that is because there's a people here who have experienced the love of the Father for themselves and want to love you with the Father, the love of the Father that they've experienced, too. And uh, come on, can we thank God and Desiree for that tonight? We love you. We love you very much. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.